Ah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Mm. Mm. We nail it all, oh God. Thank you today for your tender mercies and your glorious might. No one can stand before you, God. Mm, mm, mm. How many of y'all are glad for the glory of Christ today? Paul said that he count everything but lost for the surpassing value of knowing Christ as Lord. That's a powerful statement that he would communicate a communication that would prioritize Christ above self. That's a lifetime lesson of decreasing. Uh, our life is filled with decreases. That, the more you know you're growing in the image of Christ is when you don't have to be announced, when you don't have to be named, when you don't have to, just as long as God gets the glory, you're fine with it. And, um, and, um, but that doesn't make us deny what he does through us. Because um, when you deny what he does through you, you actually deny him. And so to not ex- acknowledge him using you and transforming you and making you better and making the people around you better and creating opportunities. It's just wonderful to know that we get the great opportunity of mortifying self, mortifying self so that Christ may be more excellently seen. Amen? Amen. Welcome to our second Sunday morning gathering. Um, We're glad to be here. Are you glad to be here? Amen. We're We're glad to be able to gather. We had some um, uh, um, demonic disturbances this morning as we came in and there was fire extinguisher spray in our lobby area and we had to do some cleanup and start the second gathering, I mean first gathering, quite late. And so, um, but the Lord compacted us into an hour gathering and so uh, we had everybody packed from the first gathering into the basement and so last two weeks have been quite the time of spiritual warfare. Um, but even in the midst of what these different things that have happened, they are light and momentary afflictions. Um, they're light, um, light. And, um, but, but, but it does signal something when the enemy does stuff over and over and over again. The enemy doesn't fight people that's already on his team. You know, in, in your life, if, you, if you're having some jo- Jobian moments in, in your life and, and you're frustrated with God, I, I'm, I'm going to declare to you today in Jesus' name to not get frustrated. Because whenever the enemy is signaling to come after you like that and come after what God is doing, God is not about you. However, he comes after you as a way to try to discourage you of the oil that God has on your life. And I just want to encourage you that whenever the enemy comes after you and he brings all types of tornadoes, whether it be sickness, whether it be frustrations, whether it be being broke, busted, and disgusted, I want, I, I want to encourage you to worship the living God in the midst of it. The Bible, the Bible says rejoice at all times. And so, but some of us like to rejoice when everything's okay because... Because it's easy to rejoice, but your rejoicing is tested only when you're under the olive press of Gethsemane. And when you're under the olive press of Gethsemane, if you can still lift your hands while you're being pressed on, I don't know if you know, but Gethsemane means olive press. And that means whenever pressing goes on an olive, something comes out of it, and it's oil that comes out of it. So all that's happening to you in the midst of that is the, the devil's stupid because he messes with worshipers who are going to worship the living God in the midst of his spiritual warfare, not knowing that God is just using him as an anvil to press out of you what God has put in you. The enemy, because if he knew what God put inside of you, if he knew all that God invested in you, his stupid behind would get up off of you and leave you alone. But I'm just trying to let you know today that the reason why you're going through so much pressure, the reason why you're going through so much pain, the reason why you're going through so much hurt is because God is using a stupid enemy to get out of you 
what he's put in you. But the only way to get out of you what he's put in you is to put pressure on your life. So, so, so next, time, next time you get under pressure, just lay down. Oh, see, y'all not going to talk back to me. Next time you get under some pressure, just lay down and take it like a godly man and a godly woman because as you lay down under the pressure of your circumstances, God will press out of you stuff that'll make you stand up after you lay down. And so God is so good. So, so, so I'm just trying to let you know that, that when the enemy attacks, he's attacking destiny. He's attacking the glory of God that God wants to bring out of you. And if you throw in the towel, he's going to pull back from you. But when he pulls back from you, nothing won't come out of you. And so you got to be in a place where you don't let every frustration get to you. Sometimes God will let multiple things happen to you over and over and over again. And it's okay to be a little frustrated. But at some point, you got to say, God, not why has this happened to me, but what are you up to in me and through me? And you got to get to the point, mature Christians get frustrated on the front end, but worship on the back end. Immature Christians just stay frustrated, walk away from God, get angry, and find all kinds of demonic outlets for their foolishness. But if you just learn to wait, if you live long enough to walk with God and to wait on God and to watch out the fact that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivers them out of all of them. And when, and when, and when you learn that, that trials are an opportunity for glory, it changes your perspective. God, listen, listen, God entrusts us with pain for his purpose. You see, most of us look at money, houses, and cars, but when you go through something, that's God entrusting you. Where's that in the Bible? Job. He said, have you tried my servant Job? That's entrusting you based on him investing in you, not something that you have in and of yourself. And so I was, I'm supposed to preach on something else today, but anyway, I, I just, I just, I, I just want to encourage us. There's a fire extinguisher in the hallway. Uh, somebody threw a bottle at my window, broke my front window, uh, just random. My, 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 uh, my car got smashed, all, all kind of other just crazy, all kinds of things happening. And me and my wife say, we, we know what this, exactly what this is. And, um, and, and you have to, you have to, by God, I mean, my son stopped breathing last fall. We, ha- we done had all kinds of, we've been to the hospital. <laughs> we have boys, you just go to the hospital, you know, a lot. Um, <laughs> but I'm just telling you, man, don't, don't, the Bible says we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Don't be ignorant. Don't be, don't be like, I don't think that's the enemy. That's just, no, it's him. It's him. But, 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 but don't, 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 don't forget, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That person you, you want to cuss out, you're not wrestling against them, really. You're not wrestling against them. And if you only treat the issue on the person, you miss out on who's behind the person. And so we don't, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. And so you better learn how to fight without a gun. You better learn how to fight on your knees. So anyway, I, I got to move. How y'all doing anyway? Y'all all right? Amen, amen, amen. Well... Um, yeah, today's Vision Sunday, and we're supposed to um, do vision today. So just a few things. On February 22nd, we're going to do the first of four offerings this year. We're going to merge all of our outreach offerings, local, national, international outreach and missions offerings. And I'll talk about it a little bit while we're, while we're going through our vision presentation. We're going to merge those. We're going to have specific numbers and goals that we're going to be going towards so that we can be able to continue to do what God has called us on a local, national, and international missions area. All of our local stuff with our youth and families in the neighborhood that we're doing, all of our stuff with church planting, um, and from there, um, global missions and church planting as well. And so we want you to pray, set aside an amount. We're going to, by next week, have some clear financial goals that we're going to be setting for those so that we can hit those markers as we do all of this ministry that's going forth. And I'm going to just let you know, as, you, as, you, as we do ministry, 
like this, outreach ministry, ministering in our neighborhood, ministering and planting churches and going into foreign territory, you're going to have to, as a church, even you individually are going to have to expect attacks. And so the enemy ain't going to just lay down and watch us try to do some ministry. And so, and, 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 and so he's going to try to come after. But the Bible says the gates of hell won't prevail against us. So we got promises all behind us. And the Bible, my Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that the, all of the promises are yes in Jesus. So, and so we, we, get, we get that as uh, assurance of our relationship and fellowship and commitment to the mission of God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. We're in Acts chapter 16, um, verses 1 through 5 today, and we'll be going over the vision of this ministry in very, very practical terms today. Let's go for it. Let's read together and let's move. I'll, I'll, I'll read with you first. You keep going. Let's go. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Keep going. Amen. 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 Well, today um, we're going to have our vision Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for vision. We thank you for clarity on what you've called us to do. God, give us, give us a, a sense of all of where you've brought us from uh, and where you have us and where you have us to go. Lord God, help us to connect with and buy into our joining of you on mission. And in order for all of that to happen, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight and help us to be hearers and doers of your word and uh, empower us in the midst of conflict, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of frustration. Help us to know that we must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work that is in the Lord is never in vain. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, Vision Sunday is, has tra- we transitioned our, um, our state of the church address to Vision Sunday. And, and instead of just talking about where things are, we want to broaden our perspective and our scope uh, to begin to look at what God has for us to do so that we can have clear vision of where the church that you're a part of is going so that we can all be on the same page in executing what God has called us to. And one of the things that's very, very important for us to have is, uh, 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 is unified DNA. Somebody says DNA. Yeah. Um, let's one more time, DNA. Yeah. DNA is what links a family together. Um, if a family, a family is very, 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 very important in philosophy and practice that the church has uh, unified DNA with my boys. People say there are aspects of you that you can't deny those boys. And, and I like that because, you know, that's a good thing. Amen. And, and in light of that reality, uh, um, um, we, we, people should notice a unanimity of who we are as believers because of the eternal blood type that we have. And that, and that blood type is E blood type, and that's eternal blood type that Christ has given us through his death. And so every believer should have a unification of that reality flowing through our veins, through our identity and practice. And so this is what helps us with this in who we are. Um, Our motto here, based on Colossians 1.16, is showing off the glory of Christ where? Oh, man, I was weak. Showing off the glory of Christ where? Yeah, so that we get that from Colossians 1.16. The fact that all things were made for Christ and that Christ made everything in the world with purpose and our purpose is to connect with his purpose for everything that he's created. 
and they utilize everything to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. So that means no matter where you are in life, whether you're single, whether you're married, uh, whether, what type of job you're in, what type of schooling you're in, what type of family you're in, what type of neighborhood you're in, what, every single area of your life should be an ever-moving promotion of Jesus Christ where you are. And, and, and because of that reality, all of us must be show-offs. Not show-offs of ourselves, but show-offs of the living God through Jesus Christ. Um, we'll be going through this as a series, uh, Core Values as our next series. And so, um, but, but, but I want to go over these. Our first core value is Christ-centeredness. Somebody say Christ-centeredness. Christ-centeredness. Um, again, we, we, everything should be centered on Christ permeating every single thing in our life. Number two, commitment. Somebody say commitment. commitment. Community. Community. Conversions. Conversions. Culturally relevant ministry. Amen. Let's look at Christocentrism or Christ-centeredness. This is because Jesus has created everything with a purpose. We must submit all of our lives to being rigged around and motivated by his desired ends. And so we as believers rig our lives around Christ's desired ends. That means if you don't have a disposition of seeking the Lord, you won't have clarity on what it means to seek the kingdom and all its righteousness and having things added to us. So our commitment to Christ-centeredness is being on an ever-living trajectory of repenting and turning to God in our everyday lives so that every single thing in your life is centered on Jesus Christ. That means the way you do relationships should be single, centered in on Jesus Christ. The way you engage with the local church should be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. The way you use your mouth should be centered on uh, Jesus Christ. Everything in your life should be moving this direction. Amen, Pastor. Commitment. Three things. As y'all quiet, I'll say amen to me by myself. Amen. Um, uh, to, uh, uh, commitment. Commitment. It says in the verse, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this devotion is comprehensive because devotion doesn't, doesn't just point to they believed the doctrine of what they said, but it meant that they had a commitment that led to practice of what was being said. That means they weren't receiving merely from the dispensing point of pulpiteering, but they were committed to pew and block practice. And so what we see here is we see to, to, to the belief and practice of God's word, to the service of our local church, and to making disciples. And so we're going to flesh that out in a minute, but want us to overview these things. Community, community, taking the initiative, put that in all caps. Initiative. Community is everybody mutually taking the initiative to build healthy relationships. That means, that, means, that means community isn't somebody needs to come look after me. Community doesn't mean nobody's reaching out to me. That's not every believer is responsible for seeking healthy relationships, no matter how spiritually young or old you are. So, that's a, so, that, so that means that when you find people that are mutually looking for relationship, guess what they run into? Relationships. Okay? If you're, trying to, if you're trying to holler at somebody and they don't want no relationship, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to holler, you like the way, you know, godliness and everything's in place to the glory of Jesus Christ. And, you, and, the, and, the, and the brother, not the lady, you don't holler, ladies, brothers holler. Um, and he try to holler at you, but you, you, I'm on a six-month hiatus from relationships and I'm leaving that alone. Well, he can't talk to you no more because that's not where you are. But if she's praying, God, send me a mate. And he's like, Lord, let this be the one. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> then guess what's going to happen? Kablooge. God's going to bring you all together. Explosion. Because now there's mutual seeking. That happens in community as well. It's, it's just simple. Like everybody seeks opportunities to build healthy relationships, but not to just be around with people. Accountability. Uh-oh, uh-oh, that, that long curse word there, accountability. That means you have to submit to somebody challenging you on your spiritual growth. And that's what the church does. And just what you have to do, you can't run from a challenge. Because if you put yourself in a position to be in a healthy relationship and those people are truly healthy, they will love you enough to tell you about how trifling you are. And when they tell you how trifling you are, if you run and blame them, then you're going to take the triflingness that you already have and transport it to another place and then another place and another place. So you might as well sit still where God has you and let him deal with mutual trifling people 
to work in concert with the cross at the center to grow us out of our triflicity. Amen. So, therefore, so, so, so accountability and mutual building up of one another to God's glory. It's beautiful. Beautiful. <coughs> conversions. Somebody say conversions. conversions. Being a witness of Jesus in our everyday lives through both life and lips. And intentionally. Somebody say intentionally. Intentionally, there it is again, initiative and intentionally looking for opportunities to share the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's not the job of revival and special evangelists. It's the job of every believer to go into the world and make disciples through proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ. Your life ain't going to be good enough to where you live it and people ask you about Jesus Christ. They, they, they won't hear unless you proclaim it to them, and that's what we value here. And then lastly, culturally relevant ministry it doesn't mean cool. Most people think of relevance and they think of coolness. But, but, but what happens here is the sons of Issachar were men who knew the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Paul says over in 1 Corinthians 9, we become all things to all men that we may win some. That doesn't mean becoming a phony. That means connecting where they are through love. So, so, so loving God and people through administering the whole gospel to the holistic pressing needs of our city and world. So that means we, we, people are made whole through the whole gospel. And so what we want to do is administer the whole gospel to the whole man so that they may be made whole in Jesus Christ. All right? And so that's what our core value means there, meeting pressing needs. So we look in this passage and we see Paul, as we've gone over our core values, we look in this passage in Acts. Paul has gone in Acts 14, verses 21 through 25, uh, uh, him and Barnabas went to Iconium, Lister, and Derby, And they went to these three cities, which are about 21 miles apart apiece, about, and engaged all of those cities with the gospel. People met Jesus Christ as Savior, and what they did is they spent some time there discipling them and helping them go from spiritual infancy to? Let me try that one more time. Spiritual infancy to what? And so, and, so, and, so, and so what happens is, is out of that came people who could be leaders among them in each one of those cities. And Paul, Barnabas, and the team committed them to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they come back. What happens is, is they go to Jerusalem. They go to the council. The council hears about all of the great, wonderful things that the Lord has done. And as they hear about these things, they say, all of that's good, but the Gentiles need infrastructure. Somebody say infrastructure. We're going to hear that again later. But they needed infrastructure with their beliefs so that they can be viable witnesses to Jesus Christ where they were to the Jews and to their ethnic neighbors. And so as that happened, they gave them a letter. Paul and Barnabas was about to dip. Paul wanted to roll. You know, he's like, yo, let's, let's roll to all the churches that we shared the gospel with. Let's go back to these cities. Let's check on them. Let's strengthen them and make sure they got some beastie infrastructure set up in place so that the gospel can continue to be promoted through them. And, 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 you, and, and you know, Barnabas, being the son of encouragement that he is, he has, he has his arm around John Mark, and he's like, yo, let's, let's roll. And Paul said, nah, shorty ain't going. And, Barnab and, Paul, and Barnabas like, nah, man, we gonna, I'm taking John Mark. He said, Paul said, man, money left us on the mission field. We getting all thrashed by the Jews and Gentiles, and this dude sneaks out by night and rolls out. Man, this dude ain't fit for ministry because he run away from uh, hardship. And Paul and them, they're going back and forth. And then the Bible says a sharp disagreement went between the two because of John Mark. And Paul just said, I love you. He, 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 gave, he gave him a pound and said, you go your way, I go my way. We'll see each other in eternity. And so they, go, they, go, they, they, they split and go two different directions. And so, and, and God sends Paul, um, Paul later uh, uh, to, to reconcile with them later. But, but what's crazy is Paul begins going and he goes back to Iconium, uh, 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 Lister, and Derby. And when he goes up into Lister and Derby, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, um, the two, two churches that are 21 miles apart, um, um, the elders at both churches did something crazy. Um, what, what they begin to say is there was a disciple. Somebody say there was a disciple. It was a disciple, a disciple, a disciple there, a disciple there, um, and his name was Timothy. I like the fact that they called him a disciple, not a believer. <laughs> a disciple of Jesus is one who has renounced him or herself and pledged their life to being in a lifetime apprenticeship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've renounced yourself. And Timothy was a young dude, early 20s probably, late teens, early 20s, 
knew the, knew, the, knew the first five books of the Bible by heart because his grandmoms and his mother taught him. Young Buck was raised as a Jew, became a Christian. Everything in the Old Testament became clear to him. So he was a young monster of a minister of the gospel. Young, just a young believer. He wasn't an elder. He, wasn't a de- he was just a young dude in the congregation uh, who was committed uh, as a young adult to Jesus Christ. He was committed to knowing his God and knowing his word to the point to where two churches, 21 miles apart with two different pastoral leadership teams, affirmed that this guy was a beast of a disciple. As as, as a matter of fact, it said he was well spoken of. It means to be approved, uh, approvingly testified of, or or to uh, to be affirmed favorably by firsthand authentication. Young adults. I love my millennials. How was your authentication in the local church? How was your authentic? Can somebody vouch for you being a monster disciple for Jesus? Even though, even if you're spiritually immature, you can be sold out in your immaturity, moving towards maturity. And so this young guy was verifiably known, not just by the leadership, but by, by the people in the church who was like, yo, this person is struggling to walk with Jesus Christ and, 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 and killing it. So it, it, it says he's spoken well of, he's commended, meaning he's praised by the body. In other words, the body gave voice to the authenticity of his faith and commitment to Jesus Christ which is beautiful and powerful as he's being well spoken of. And so what happens next is my man went through some gospel sacrifice. Timothy gets circumcised. Now, um, ladies, we can't talk to you about pregnancy and childbirth. And y'all can't talk to us about circumcision. All right? Um, This is some gospel sacrifice. Um, He not like... You know, we don't, some of us who, well, if a guy gets circumcised, he don't remember today, like even back in their day. But if a guy's a grown-up, gets, this is some sacrifice for the gospel. And so he makes a great gospel sacrifice because it was for ministry. And willing in the midst of something that he didn't have to do, that he had to do, to make a sacrifice in order that the gospel could be moved forward. Very, very important idea. So in light of that reality... In light of that reality, the Bible says, because of gospel sacrifice and a disciple being prepared, guess what? It says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. What does this have to do with anything? Strengthening means to be firmed up, um, to be marked by resolution, to become firmer in such matters as conviction and commitment. It means doctrinal and practical infrastructure in place so just as the Jerusalem Council letter went out. And so what we're seeing here is something powerful. We're seeing that now Timothy is being discipled by Paul to help put in place infrastructure in multiple churches around Asia Minor, Northern Africa, and Southern Europe. And so now we did this, this is powerful because it shows us something about where we are. And in application for Epiphany Fellowship, in the season of multiplication and growth, that we're in as a church. We're we're planting churches. We're sending multiple people out. We're seeing people meet the Lord and be baptized. We've seen 44 people signed up for this year's covenant community. This was coming up. This today, outreach engaging over 200 people weekly and growing Sunday Sunday morning attendance. And so, amen, amen. You can put your hands together. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) And so in light of this, we're becoming a mother church. Somebody say mother church. A mother church, in light of all, that, uh, all this, we need a lot of strengthening, okay? We need a lot of, we're in a place as a church where we need a ton of strengthening. So we are being for others what was for us. So, so now we, we've been mothered to be where we are. Now we need to be a mother church. Why? Because Epiphany is now a mother church planting church. So all the churches, all churches need stability, but a mother church is looked at as a stable home base for its spiritual children. So, 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 so whenever Epiphany Camden goes through something, guess who gets a phone call? Epiphany Philly. And we go over there, help them in whatever they need. Um, 
Uh, um, I get all kinds of phone calls already. It ain't even launched. Germantown ain't even launched yet. And I get all kinds of phone calls from Pastor Watson about, uh, because they view us as a spiritual parenting entity. That's very, very important for what is needed. And so this is going to show us the areas that we need to be strengthened in to continue to be this. So being a mother church means that we will provide resources for the churches under our care. <clears throat> so that means that we, we've been in a season where we've been mothered. Now we want to mother. And in doing that, we have to be a stream of training um, 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 uh, in every single area of the mother church. That means that the pastors need help. Uh, when, they, when they develop women, women's ministries, they're going to need help with that. When they develop men's ministries, they're going to need help with that. When they develop worship ministries, they're going to need help with that. When they develop hospitality ministries, they're going to need help with that. When they need sound and engineering, BK is going to be going over there training them, their team on how to use the sound, all those different things that they're going to, going to need. Um, a, a few of us, when Pastor Tommy and Fatima go uh, 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 3,000 miles away, we're going to have to fly a, a five-and-a-half, six-hour flight to be with them. And I'm going to enjoy being in Southern California, especially if it's the wintertime in Jesus' name. And, um, and, uh, and um, I'm going to go around some palm trees and help them get strengthened in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, um, and so I'm, I'm going to enjoy that. But we need to have in place, not just through the pastoral leadership, but through the congregation, those who have training mindsets to be able to give away what's been given to you. And so, and so that's what a mother church does. And that means resources, that means people, that means finances, and that means time. Are y'all tracking with pastor today? <clears throat> so, so our global mission is giving. This is some crazy stuff. In the past eight years, Epiphany Fellowship has given over $550,000 to outreach. $550,000 to church planting and foreign missions and local outreach. Over a half a million dollars has come from 1632 Diamond Street. Did you get that? Usually inner city churches are looking for 550,000. But, 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 but God, God, listen, that's the law of biblical reciprocity, not prosperity, but reciprocity. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And so we've been sown into and we, the, the God does a whole bunch here because we lead with an open hand. And we have to continue to lead with an open hand, not closed hand, because you don't want God to break your fingers to get out of it what's his. God doesn't transport resources out like Star Trek, beam out people and money. He's going to break your hands because he wants to work on your heart. The posture of your hands is always the posture of your heart. And so how many fingers you got closed? Let's close this right before I put up the wrong signal. But um, <laughs> I don't want to put up nothing crazy. They'd be like, Pastor, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you know, um, we will, uh, but, 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 but we want to have our hands consistently open. We don't want to say because people transition with church plants and we transition money and, and quote unquote lose people for kingdom gain. We want to have our hands open. So in this year, we will give away $120,000. So, uh, so, 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 so we'll almost give away, get, have given away $700,000 by the end of this year over the last eight years to local, national, and international missions. Okay. So God is good. It's a testament of God's grace. And this is where we push the envelope of, preach. we don't preach prosperity gospel, but we do, we do preach a God who provides. And God says in uh, uh, Haggai chapter 2, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. I will shake the four winds of the world and bring resources into my house for my mission. And so that's what we want to continue to see the Lord God do. So what are some things to celebrate over the last two years that God has done? In the last two years, We've seen over 200 people meet Jesus Christ as Savior. Almost 100 people, now it would be almost 150 people, have become covenant community members of Epiphany Fellowship. Amen. Um, we've also seen an album get released, which has been a powerful thing, and we're so excited to see God put it on the gospel billboard charts at number 18 and just crazy stuff like that. And all that means, all that means is that the glory of Christ's aroma is going out to a lot of people. That's what it means. Um, our, our foreign missions has been expanded. We've expanded our residency and internship program, which another quarter of a million dollars has been invested uh, by some folk into that awesome opportunity. 
um, and we've added more staff support, which has been great. Some other things, powerful women's retreat last year. We're thankful uh, for Sister Dale leading us in that effort for our, one of our most powerful retreats from what I've uh, understood in, re in relation to that. Um, our basketball league has grown. The median age has grown. Amen. I mean, we just 22 year olds up in here. You know what I'm saying? Now we got salt and pepper and some of my seasoned saints are a little happy about that. And, um, and I want to publicly thank those that have been with us for a while. You was here by us. It's like 10 of y'all. It's like 10 of y'all. And y'all been, been evangelizing your seasoned friends who don't have a local church and trying to get them to come. And so now we're seeing the fruit of your prayers of being here. So we want to thank God. Let's thank God again for our seasoned saints being here. Amen. Amen. And that, and that, doesn't, and that, doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to reach young, young people because we love young people and we're going to continue to reach young people. The viability of the legacy of a church is measured by how many young people you reach. Um, and so, and so, but, but then also we came to full support last year. That's crazy. So our budget for this year is almost $1.1 million. Our budget. Um, and, and, and seeing God do that is, is amazing. Um, sending three leaders out to plant with preparation, people, paper, and prayer. Amen. Amen. And I don't know if y'all realize a church sending three churches out in one year is a work of God. Okay. And so and that, that's a powerful work of God. And, and that means we're going to transition people. We're going to have about 30 to 50 people transition from the church. Okay, we're going to have finances transition from the church and what we're going to be given. Part of that $120,000 is going to those churches and our foreign missions efforts and planting more churches in Africa. Okay, and so what, 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 but, but, but what does this do for us in the sense of what's needed to be put in place to make sure that we're consistently effective to continue to do what God's called us to do? Um, and, and so we have to have comprehensive Kingdom investment. That's C K I. Comprehensive kingdom investment. And, and I want you. I want you to repeat after me and do what I do. Upward ministry, outward ministry, and inward ministry. Let's do that one more time. Upward, outward, and inward. Now we have to have all three of those to continuously be healthy in equal measure. All three of those. And so when we talk about upward. We're talking about connection with God through fellowship. Outward, giving stuff away. Inward, being strengthened to be able to continue what God has called us to do. So what does that look like? Things that need to be strengthening at, strengthened at Epiphany Fellowship. Now, when I mention these things, it doesn't mean that this doesn't exist. Amen, somebody. It just means they need strengthening. And so the church is in the place of those same churches that Paul and Barnabas went back to to encourage, where we are in need of strengthening in some very, very strategic areas so that we as a church can be more effective. Are y'all tracking with me? Amen, amen, amen. And so, and, and, so, and so we're excited about all of these areas. So first thing is congregation, our congregation, owning loving people as a church. So, so, so what, we, what, what, we, what we need to do is I need you to own loving on visitors, new people at your life group. <laughs> I need you to own, <laughs> God, God wants you to own loving people who are on the fringes. If you haven't seen someone for a while, if you, all of those different things, I want you to go out of your way to do that. And the way I want you to begin to apply that, I want you to go back, go on iTunes, Android, whatever you got, listen back at our Love Out Loud sermon. And I want you to apply one thing in the next month to that. Amen. Somebody should be writing that down. Amen. If you're not writing it down, you're not serious. Put it in your phone, put it somewhere, but be serious about this. Amen. Be serious about it. Next, things that need strengthening. We need clearer discipleship paths. So, 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 so what we, what we want to do is we want to strengthen these areas this year because, and the reason why we're talking about clearer discipleship paths, because I think we've done a great job of preparing people to, to, to plant. Now we need to zoom in on our internal ministries. And what I mean by that is I want us to really strongly touch on these areas that exist but need strengthening in how there are clear pathways for discipleship in every single one of these areas. What is discipleship? Going back to our first thing, people who renounce themselves 
and live as lifelong apprentices to Jesus Christ in areas of manhood, in areas of womanhood, in our life groups, uh, trained individual disciples, which is people who will be trained, who will be trained to disciple different people in different seasons of their life, okay? So, so, so that won't be on the website. It'll be people who own disciple-making, okay? And, and, and a marriage area and in our ministry training of people. This is going to be huge for the next 18 to 24 months in which we're going to be built. All of these ministries have to be built and all of these areas have to be built to make sure that it helps people to make disciples and for disciples to be made of those disciples and disciples to be. We, in other words, it, we, we need clarity. You, I mean, when, when I was let me just tell you something. When I was studying to be in the nation of Islam, you weren't confused about what discipleship looked like for them. When they, when they were working to take you through supreme wisdom, they had a curriculum called supreme wisdom. And they would take you through that curriculum to develop you, to understand the teachings of the, Eli, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. When I was studying other religions, they had very, very clear pathways of indoctrinating their people. Even J-dubs have a book on responding evangelistically to each denomination within the church. Pentecostals, Assemblies of God, Baptists, very, very clear pathways of that. And you see their discipleship in the fact that they have to spend a certain amount of hours a month going door to door sharing the God. Now, whatever you feel about all of that, they are very, very clear on that. The church has to be clear on what does it look like to make disciples and to be a disciple? What does it look like to grow spiritually? What type of food do I need to be teaching this person in in this season of life. They don't need steaks. They're a babe in Christ. So what's milk information? How do I get attached to that milk information? How do I dispense that milk to this young Christian? Now that a person's a more mature Christian, what is steaks in the kingdom? What is meat in the kingdom? And how do I administer those meat items in manhood? How do I influence those issues of milk and meat in manhood and womanhood and in life groups and in our individual discipleship and in marriage and in ministry training? How do we do that? And we have to have a very strategic format and how we do that, and everybody has to be on the same page because we are going to push one another to look more like Jesus Christ. Very important stuff for us, and we want to make sure that that is more. I'm not saying that we're not doing anything here, but I am saying we got we, we to bear down and make this more clear so that every person in this ministry is clear on what it means to be conformed to Jesus Christ's image. Are y'all still trekking with me? And, 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 and then from there, we want to connect our youth outreach to the families. Yes. Now, 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 what does this look like? <clears throat> I, 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 this is what we need. We need, follow, we need people who are following up families in our neighborhood. So that means I need people who volunteer to be present at events to love and build relationships for the gospel. So that means we have 200 to 250 youth and families upstairs every Saturday. I need people in this congregation to volunteer their time, come alongside of Pastor Kurt and the team, and, and, and not, I'm not talking about coaches, I'm, not talking, I'm talking about you're just there as a believer loving on lost people and building relationship with Muslim families and unbelieving families who are coming in and just sitting and talking with them, talking with the youth, building relationships with them. Not talking about how bad this neighborhood is and all of that. Let's throw that out the door. Let's be a solution to it. And you sit there and you build relationship with them and talk to them and say, yo, what's up? What's your name? And where you from? What school you go to? And developing relationships. Meet somebody new. And we're not talking about the whole church being there and it looked real weird, you know. Um, you know, but, 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 but we're assigning a group of people to be that. And you can't be forceful. You got to be loving and, you know, don't be scared of what you hear. All right. And building relationships. And over time, as you build those relationships, we get into the family and you invite the family to your life group, invite the family to and begin to engage families in this neighborhood through this being a mechanism of doing that. We also need youth mentors, youth mentors. We we get them building vandalized people writing signs all on the building. I got to get some more of that spray and we got to get out there and clean the playground and all that. But it's a part of being around here, y'all. (laughs) <laughs> it's a part of doing urban ministry, and so we can't complain about it. God placed us here. It's time for us to continue to dig in, and we need people to mentor youth. I need some women on mission for Jesus. Y'all quiet on this part. I need some women, some beasts for the glory of Christ to take initiative. Some college students, you can do it. Some young professional single women 
to take time with about six to ten young women, walking with them through biblical womanhood. Can you do it? That's why we got this, that's why we got this uh, right now media thing. So that you can have, you don't have to necessarily just teach everything. You can have a platform of communication. We pay for it monthly. You can sit down with a laptop, walk up, go up in McDonald's. They got Wi-Fi right on Broad and Diamond. You can sit up in there on Saturday mornings, get you about six girls, get out $20, pay for some meals. It don't, it chicken and biscuit or bacon and biscuit or steak and biscuit, hash brownables and some coffee, all right? And open the joint up and y'all sit there and listen to it. And guess what? Some people are going to come around and look and talk about what y'all doing. You can say, come on and sit down and you can listen too. And you chop it up with them and start walking with them. Our men and women's ministry can't just be for babysitting people in the church. We got to now begin to go beyond that. It's got to be both and, not either or. And taking responsibility, men, you shouldn't let no dude just come in here tapping women up in the church. Or y'all not going to talk back to me. But you need to be up and do, what's your name? What's your name? You, you dating shorty? All right. Where you from, man? You know the Lord? You know what I'm saying? Ask him. Ladies, if you're going to bring your unsaved boyfriend in here, we're going to engage him. Now, that don't mean get an unsaved boyfriend, but we're going to talk to you about that with one of the ladies. That's what the ladies ministry for. And somebody looking like, don't be policing me. We ain't policing you. We loving you. Like, that's what we talk about, about community being accountability. Now we need to get up on some, some ministry that's going to that's really, really lock down on stuff. And that, that's everybody. That's everybody. That's everybody. If somebody, like, like we, we got to begin to become the church more and more and more and, and, and engaging people in a loving way where well, you're taking responsibility for that. But then building our stewardship base, <clears throat> beautifying our facility, and a campaign to be and look like a place of peace. We gotta, <coughs> we gotta work on it. We're gonna have very, very strict financial measures that we're gonna be laying out. Pastor Niren's working on that for us, uh, along with our stewardship team, to, to get together what's needed financially to make sure that our first floor is done and so that our building won't continue to be an eyesore in the neighborhood, so that we can utilize every facet of the facility to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Economic strengthening. So, 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 so this is something that needs strengthening, <clears throat> um, rebuilding our emergency fund. Our emergency fund got dropped because giving dropped the last quarter last year. And so we're going to be, I'm, I'm going to be engaging families and professionals who have the money individually. Y'all got real quiet. The first gathering was, the first gathering was happy, you know, you know, you know, and, and, and I'm on this part. But I'm going to be personally engaging about 30 individuals and families. Who, who, who got it? And I'm going to ask you for a specific amount to help rebuild our emergency fund. And we want to get it up to $350,000 so that if something happens, we have an emergency fund to be able to take care of a roof, to take care of a leak, to take care of something being destroyed. So we have all of these things in place. But then we're going to have to rebuild because when we send out a church, we send out money and stewardship. And when we send out people, we need those things to be re-strengthened so that we can continue to be a healthy mother church. Amen, y'all. Amen, y'all. When I started talking about the, this part, y'all got quiet. Amen. Amen. But it's just as important as every other aspect of it. Again, a commitment to generosity that we may not lack in what we need for the building up of our, our church intentionally. <laughs> but then next, <clears throat> strengthening our follow-up. We got NKIM that's taking over that. And I'm so glad that she's connecting with our follow-up piece. But we need to build up our follow-up area, our our, our decision cards, our, not only our decision cards, but also our visitors' cards. We want to be able to contact people, engage people, and love on people and being strengthened in this way. Um, but then we also want to start a prayer, a particular prayer ministry. And this prayer ministry, um, you can't have strengthening without prayer. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We need, we need, we, and so I need, I ain't going to put up a, we got two people, we got three. We got a sign-up sheet out in the hallway, y'all. Like, I need 10 people to sign up for the prayer area and that we're going to give you a conference line for every once a week, 6 a.m., we're going to flood it with prayer requests. And, that, and every time at that 6 a.m., we're going to call in and we're going to have prayer time. Amen. 
and we're going to pray about stuff. And I want people praying before the gathering. I want people to be praying when I'm doing the altar call. I want people to be praying during the outreach. I want somebody in the back praying while I'm preaching. I, I, I want somebody praying while praise and worship going on. I want us to be praying when they're in Malawi. I want us to be praying. I want some people to sign to pray for the church plants that we're sending out. We need to pray. We need to pray. And so we need, we need, we need, we need to undergird. You, you got to pull out because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. And so we, we need to be bathed as a church in prayer. Amen. And so then, but then developing a, 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 a robust servant base in our church. And that's what we're all already talking about. We're going to be, again, laying this stuff out in the weeks to come as we look at what is it going to look like as our team owns different aspects of all of these different items. And so you can find out all of the areas of, of robust service need out at the back table. Um, our team is out there. Of course, you can buy a CD, but then also, in Jesus' name, you can pick up one of those strips so you can know what that ministry is about. Sign up, and they can connect with you. And we want to get this stuff undergirded so our ministry is strengthened in every single area of the ministry. And with this, over this time, the main thing that we're building is infrastructure. Somebody say infrastructure. Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. infrastructure. That's what we're going to be doing. Whenever God does a major move in the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts for devotion, whenever he does a major move, the thing that they have to bring to be able to organize the, the, what's been received from what God has done is infrastructure. You, you, you see when the disciples were getting, growing in number in Acts 6, and people were being missed out on it, so they appointed the first deacons as a point of infrastructure to make sure people didn't miss out on service. And so that's what we have to do in every single area of our ministry. And so in the two, the 10-year opportunities that we have, if we do not build our infrastructure family, listen to me, if we do not build our infrastructure well, we won't be able to build our family services area strong. We won't be able to build our economic development area. We won't be able to build a buy property and build our youth center or our health center or any of the other things that God has called us to do. And so in order for our crisis pregnancy center to go forward, I'm not doing any of this. We're not moving forward. People are asking me, when are we doing that? I don't want you to ask me about that yet. I want you to ask me about how are we in the strength of where we are and where do we need people at to make sure that those areas are covered so that we have the foundation that's needed to be able to expand our ministry impact in our city. Okay, and so, and so, and so I, want us to, I, want us, I want you to begin to, 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 to see your role in the larger picture of what God has called us as a ministry to do so that we know what, where we're going, but we have a clarity on all of the different aspects that God wants strengthened in the church so that we can be a great mother church to those who we're sending out. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you and honor you for the opportunity to envision and to, and to see and to hope and to love and to believe you for things. And we, we believe you, Lord God, for all of these things, that by your grace and that by your mercy, you would overwhelm us with the greatness of what is needed to be able to do everything that you've called us to do. And Lord God, I am encouraged in you by those who have been serving tirelessly in our ministry and who have given. I'm so thankful for how your people have given and how your people have served. But we need more folded into the batter of this commitment of serving our city and ministering in it in a powerful and unbelievable way for your glory and for your namesake. So God, be with us. Be with us in every single area of our ministry. And thank you. Thank you for providing the people that's needed already. Everything that we need for what you've called us to do is already here. Lord, you say, but the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we beseech you now, O God, as the Lord of the harvest to send laborers, not sitters, but laborers. And so, God, I pray that you would ignite fire under these pews, under these padded seats, and help people to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We honor you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. amen.